welcome to Product Coffee, a podcast where product professionals from my bottom share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things product over a cup of coffee. Grab a cup of joe and join us to level up your product career 30 minutes at a time. I'm one of your co-hosts, Kevin Gentry. Lou Cirillo. Patrick Kuchkowski. And today we are talking about what makes a compelling strategy. So we're all in varying levels of uh, building strategy right now for our teams. Um, some of us have multiple squads that we're building, you know, more of a group type strategy. Um, at this product organization, there's there's a lot of PMs, there's a lot of groups, there's a lot of squads. And so how do you kind of, you know, listen to the company's vision and strategy and then, you know, from a, from a top-down or a, a bottom-up perspective, build a strategy that's compelling and lines up with that top uh, company's vision and strategy. So um, I'll turn that over. To, do you guys have any thoughts on, on that? Sure. I think one of the places that I, I would start with, and I was talking with some of the, the PMs in our, in our group uh, subgroup the other day, is what type of strategy are there? And I think there's a few different types as it relates to a corporation and specifically product management. You can have an executional strategy, right? How you actually accomplish a predetermined goal. So maybe if you're a squad in an organization and your squad's sole objective is to accomplish a particular goal, I think you can build an executional strategy. But realistically, I think if you zoom out a level, strategy occurs in in two ways corporate-wise. One is that you have a pre-existing product and you're trying to make it fit into Um, a market or shape the market around it. And the second is that you have a set of market opportunities and you're trying to develop products to fit there. And so with that in mind, you know, always say, well, what strategy are we, are we choosing? What type? And I think that's a good place that I would recommend anybody start. What what about Lou? Um, And because this is something I'm dealing with directly, but basically having an existing product in market with users and making that better, right? Like the iterative strategy. Well, I think that's, I think that kind of fits into, you know, category one, right? That we have a product and we're trying to find better product market fit, right? That's yeah, the, sure. if we're going to try and expand a product like ours, we're always trying to expand the user base. And so in that process, we have to identify a few things. One, uh, what market are we attracting and how many users are in that user base that we could go after? And then specifically, once they get onto the platform, how do we ensure that they convert at a reasonable level? And how do they actually take the actions that we want to take? I mean, I'm spitballing here, but I feel like Patrick can can probably lend some honesty to my answers. Yeah, no, I think you're pretty much spot on for all that. So, I mean, it's funny that I'm trying to wrangle with a little bit of a different challenge right now, which is kind of what you're calling out, Kevin, but is how do you grow a business line into new channels at the same time that you're pretty fundamentally shifting an existing channel so that you don't end up tanking the business or having a slip in projected metrics? And so it's kind of what Lou exactly was talking about, which is like, hey, you're finding product market fit. Now you need to expand on it. But I think the challenge is what happens if you already have product market fit and now it's you're potentially changing that product itself in order to be just outside of it. I would wonder then at that case where the top line goal metric comes from, right? Like, is there 
you know, beyond if you said like, cause you, you've kind of identified two particular objectives. One is how do we maintain business? And the second thing is how do we grow business? And so the question that I would ask to that or to anybody is, well, what's the top line goal? Is it a revenue target? Is it a uh, user acquisition? Is it a user target, or is it an ex- or is it some type of experience target? Yeah, and I mean, I think being in the the business of making money, I think core to all this is what is your revenue targets, and generally, it's along those lines. Uh, I think that is above all the key. That said, I think there's different ways to accomplish it. And so I think each business is going to have its own metrics that will facilitate that. Uh, for most apps and most companies that have multiple experiences, I believe that retention still is probably your key indicator. I know it certainly is for us, uh, but I was reading an interesting article the other day on basically just that, whereas almost every company is struggling with retention curves and how do you prevent you know, users just coming in and churning. Too frequently, you lose something like anywhere from 50 to 80% of your users within two days, two or three days, it's like you're gone. So it really is, okay, how do we get something sticky in that very first experience? Hence why we're, we're trying to change it up ourselves, but it does come at the risk then of how do you balance that with your existing users and especially your pro users who are gonna be disgruntled who disproportionately bring more money for the business, but you also know that you don't want to be building a core product just for your power users. I think the retention was interesting. Like um, we're dealing with that same uh, value prop right now. And I think Patrick, our our, um, strategies will overlap in some way, shape or form um, with, you know, hitting the users and and doing it right um, and making sure the product works. I think is super important in that value prop that the the saver that that user is downloading the application and trying out your product for it happens and it delights them like having that experience I think is super critical so wherever we're missing the mark there I think that's an area of an opportunity for us um but uh go ahead I was going to say, it kind of sounds like, you know, digging into the the details there that I think from a strategy perspective Patrick's hit on exactly the right goal that that's a perfect, that retention and solving a retention related problem is a great, uh, I think I would say squad level strategy, right? Like if the goal is specific, the metrics are there, you know where you want to get incremental movement. And that's obviously, I'm guessing one part of Patrick's subgroup strategy where he's got, he could have a team dedicated to solving that particular issue. And you could have another team dedicated to moving the uh, moving the needle in another direction on a different set of metrics. And so, you know, probably the ask would be that, you know, to a squad lead to say, Hey, build me a strategy to solve this particular problem at the subgroup level. It's how do we position our products more gently in the market so that we can achieve longer standing growth. We all happen to be in the, the growth group. So, um, except for Kevin, who's leaving us like a trader, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like a trader. I like that. <laughs> well, so yeah, that's a good point. Like at the subgroup strategy, what are the, is there one KPI? Is there like a set of KPIs for each squad? Like, is there like, how do you guys position it at that subgroup level to empower the, the squads to kind of build towards that? For, for me in the, in the most recent strategic review, the way that I, attempted to talk about it is 
where do we want to take the company as a result of our subgroup accomplishing its mission? And our mission was fundamentally that we wanted to bring Ibotta into the online ecosystem and make ourselves a larger dominant player in the market. So with that in mind, we identified three strategic areas of focus that um, we asked SWADs to ladder up to. One is that you have to build a world-class omni-channel user experience. And so it's to each squad to say how they will, pro how they will build that experience. The second one was around content. And obviously, uh, Kevin, you and I get to work on a lot of content together. So, you know, whether it had been uh, ad products, whether it's been a uh, product graph and everything else we're doing now. And the third was off-platform distribution. And not every squad will be able to take a piece of each one of those. Most of mine right now are UX related, so they'll fall into bucket one. But to have a cohesive strategy, we have to look at bucket two and bucket three as well. Yeah, and how do you kind of, maybe this is more tactical, but how do you guys um, at the subgroup level it, not get too much into the weeds and kind of, because um, I, I feel like those strategy documents, we can kind of go down rabbit holes and get more specific and, and you know, provide. How do you guys stay up at a, the, the, the appropriate level for that um, strategy? Does anyone have thoughts on that? Yeah, so I'll chuckle about this one because I literally was having the discussion uh, with two other PMs about their own uh, strategy docs the other day. And I think the the nice part about being a little distant from the problem is you can kind of see these problems arise really quickly. Lord knows I've been just as guilty of, especially directly to the CEO, being way too tactical. And he's like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, I'm wildly confused. You're throwing names out there that mean nothing to me but you're so invested in it that you're like, everyone should know everything about this space and they don't. So the biggest thing I always say is keep it sexy and keep it high level. So the idea is it's like, it's very much a pitch, right? And so at even a squad level, you're really painting a two-year picture. So any buzzword that you put in there, anything that's not going to matter to a CTO, CFO, CMO, whatever, strip it out. And the idea is you should be able to look over that and then like, you know, a paragraph basically be like, okay, I get the cool thing. And in that same paragraph, it should be sexy enough that they're like, oh, okay, I get it. I want it. Now make it happen for me. And if they're really interested, then they'll read the details. But really is all about that. Like keep it just high level enough. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. And I think one of the other tenets to keeping it high enough is add just enough information to be dangerous, but don't feel like you need to say everything, right? Uh, keep it thematic. What are the themes that we are solving for? What are the, the big problems that need to be solved that, you know, solving, let me put it this way, a problem that can be solved in a month is not a problem. A problem that truly needs to be solved on a business level is something that could take years. And those are the things that you want to talk about in a high-level strategy. Because what are if you could solve all three problems to your high-level strategy in a month, then what's the point? That's a that's a quarter's worth. That's not even a quarter's worth of work. You want to talk about the problems that are so complex that are going to take you years to solve. And if you can take and if you can answer that question and the question of like, how long will it take me to solve this problem? And if the answer is anything less than a year, it probably shouldn't be in that document. 
That's interesting. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I, I like the, you know, it's a pitch. It needs to be buzzwordy, sexy and information, just enough information to be dangerous. There's some key good, uh, good uh, suggestions there. Um, I think thematic is another one. I kind of want to circle back on Lou. You mentioned um, those problems that could take years to solve. Like how, um, how do you guys, like, could you give us a tactical example of what that looks like where, you know, the, the pitch itself would be a good pitch versus it would be, you know, we can spin that and make it like, what, what would this be <laughs> um, poorly done? I think tactical and thematic are two completely different, uh, different terms there for, uh, for the case there. But I, I get what you're saying at, which is how would we, how would we decide a good pitch or a bad pitch? I think it would be if you went to your CEO and you listed out, you know, how are you going to get from here to here? And you basically started talking about all of the initiatives that you were going to do to get you from here to there. That would be a bad pitch. It would be a bad pitch mostly because A, it would take a lot of time. B, they probably wouldn't know what you're talking about. And C, they would uh, ultimately be like, yeah, right. All those initiatives are going to change in two weeks when you redraw your roadmap for the 30th time in the last 24 hours. So it, it doesn't, if you're explaining it that way, it'll be a bad pitch. What makes a good pitch is kind of like I said, where you go, Hey, we want to position this product in this market. Um, here are the three things that we need to do to accomplish that one, get differentiated content from everyone else Two, um, build a world leading user experience three, you know, go off platform, something of that nature. And that way it's like, okay, cool. One, two, three. And each one of those sub points could have a strategy all their own. And you can deliver that as a follow-up. But if you are making a four minute pitch, cause that's about as much time as attention that you have to hold on for, for anybody to focus on you. Those that's how I would lean into it. What do you think, Patrick? Yeah, I'd say that pretty much hits right on it. I think the the best pitches and kind of discussions have been just that. Um, oftentimes, it's a sentence is really all you have. Um, maybe really two to basically say like, you think you get the the mic in many ways for just that quick minute, and so you're not going to sit there and go like, hey, we're going to build X Y Z, you know, you know, then they're you, you're out of breath right in that first sentence. But yeah. if instead you're like this is the one thing we're going to do. We have this one core thing and we're not moving on and here's why it's like, Oh, okay. So it's kind of that classic, like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of, you know, a, a number of just, you know, well done speeches along these lines, but you generally don't get up and have like a, you know, a manifesto as a speech, right. You know, instead you have a very catchy line and then people like are willing to read your manifesto later. So yeah, very much that core idea. Interesting. I really want to bring this into like the presidential election and, and how people talk about their plans, <laughs> but I don't, maybe we shouldn't get too political on this, in this, <laughs> in the hand gestures and whatnot. No. <laughs> um, great. Okay. So, and then one more thing I'll, I'll have a prompt for you guys is how does, how does this manifest itself into presentations? Like, are we, putting together pitch decks? Are we putting together strategy documents that are pages long? Like 
what what's the most important thing that we could do from the PM side of things to set our uh, to build out our strategy? Well, at the moment, and we in our organization, we're we're trying out a new process, and the new process we have a kind of a strategy doc template that we've passed around that's being filled out by at, either at the squad level when squads are individualistic, or at the subgroup level when uh, the subgroups have unified strategies, and that's where we're kind of getting a starting point and we're using those documents as kind of a, I've done my homework, if that makes sense. And I think the next step after that is to pitch that strategy to get alignment. And in that view, I always view the decks as being more important. I think they're more consumable. I think that's the piece that gets shared and gets lingered on that you'll refer to, or you'll copy and paste it and edit it and everything else. I I think that's where ultimately it will live. And so I think it's up to the PM to be able to, you should be able to build that strategy document where you talk about everything from the market sizing, but then you should be able to pick only the critical information that you need to explain this clearly to somebody who has absolutely no idea what you're talking about. And that's, that's where I think the presentation does well. Yeah, I agree with that. I think as a product organization, because this is new, I think we're, frankly, going too in the weeds on these product strategy docs. Uh, but I think Lou hit it on the nail, which is it's a exercise more than anything. And it's showing that you've done your due diligence and done your homework. So you think it's less to do with the, do you have a perfect problem statement? Do you have perfect phases? How do you have X, Y, and Z? It's really all about, have you had the time to look at the business metrics to understand how you're inflecting the business goals instead of it being purely at a tactical level where you're like, oh yeah, I just need to increase registration rates. And then the whole world is going to be shiny and everyone will love me. Like that may be a means to an end, but it's definitely not what you need to be doing. And so the fact that we can go through this due diligence helps to frame it, putting it on paper, sharing with others turns into more of a peer review. And as a consequence, it means that we're well established. But my hypothesis is we're going to do all this work And three months later, we're going to have completely forgotten about these docs. But at the end of November or in the middle of November, if you're building pitch decks to SLT from this, I think Lou's right. I think that is where it all is important because you're going to have synthesized your ideas now into much longer documents when people uh, might be interested can delve into it. But really, you're going to take this 10-page long strategy doc and condense it down into like six slides. And so it's like, have you done that diligence in order to condense it now? And can you make the pitch appropriately? So it's a it's a good exercise. I've seen it done a number of different ways at other companies, and I've done everything from the, you know, Amazon PR request or PR or yeah, I just keep on call it a PR, um, you know, but um, as in pull request, but yeah, you know, instead of you know, PR, but sure whatever, that's... yeah. <laughs> Um, Do we also use the blame feature too? Yeah. Um, You know, to just throwing things at a wall. So you name it, there's a ton of different ways to do it. I think the big thing is, is find an exercise that works that doesn't turn into what I feel like we're unfortunately heading down, which is like a slog. So it's like, there's a balancing point there. Same thing with like agile, right? You don't just do ceremonies only for the sake of ceremonies. And then it turns into a grind. Like you find a balance. You kind of hit on a good on a good point there, Patrick, which is this isn't a one and done thing. 
right? It, it's kind of a, for all of us and for anybody who we would give, I think, give advice to is it's up to you to get in front of your leadership, your team, everybody on a routine basis and keep them apprised, not only on the progress, but the changes in the strategy. And if you leave it to once a year to do something like this, you're not doing it right. You need to be doing this. Uh, frankly, I would say at this point, I'm two, maybe three or four SLT presentations on a monthly basis now, uh, just between everything that we're working on. And I think that's where it really, where it really starts to shine is that you have to have the individual diligence to, I think where we're seeing it now is um, probably a lot of us, you know, a lot of us are, have done some of that process, but for others in the organization, maybe aren't as familiar with it. And so this is a catch-up exercise and it is going to run into the grounds because it's the first time we've seen it, right? How could it not? But if you are making it an active part of your every quarter, every two months to update, to present, then when you get asked to update the next version, you'll have the trust. It'll be easy. Nobody will bother you. I did find that useful that and it is good to know because it is a lot of work up front and a lot of um, process. But I think to your point, Lou, once you have that done, it's just changing and updating it. Um, and that's less overhead for, for PMs. I found that some of the core elements, if you build a really good strategy up front, still remain those core kind of focuses, right? So it's not too much iterating on that, maybe changing up verbiage a little bit um, if the strategy focus is adding a new pillar to it. But the good thing is once you get that over that first hump of getting the initial document out there, it's not altering or changing uh, incredibly too much unless you completely pivot your product or strategy. Yeah, and and I'd, I'd agree on that and say there's one other part too the overall strategy can remain the same. The execution can change every day. Right. Yep. Right. Like that, the execution part of your strategy is probably the part that will have the most Delta in it, but the overall top line designs, those will probably remain tenants unless the company yep. fundamentally decides that that's no longer a direction they want to pursue. Yeah. Yeah. That's my daughter. She's signaling the end of product coffee. <laughs> well, as we close this out, um, one more question for the group here. Um, if, you know, for, for prospecting PMs that are, are getting into this and building out their first strategies, what bit of advice, um, if we were to sum up that, um, do we have for those folks? Yeah, I know we've touched on this a number of other places. Um, I think it's very easy, especially when you're new to product or just getting into it, to assume we all just hand wave and magically materialize strategy. You don't realize the hours and hours that are going on in the background, the tons of user research and everything there. And more than anything, I think what helps is putting it down on paper. The more you write it out, the more often you'll find, oh, okay, this seems like a great idea or it's a terrible idea and then go through some sort of peer review process. Let your colleagues take a, a look at something because they'll be more critical and give you better feedback before you have to bring it to your boss or your boss's boss. And, you know, it's a good smell test. Um, but writing it down definitely helps. Yeah, I would I would say if you're, if you're a new PM, go to your leader and, and ask about some of the 
the predetermined goals or the strategy that's already in place and decide, are we building an executional strategy or am I high enough in a level or expectations that I'm asked to build a truly thematic, organic strategy for the company and and understand where you're at. If you are a PM of a squad that is a member of a, a subgroup or something of that nature, go talk to your group lead, ask where we're going, ask which part they see this the squad fitting into of that bigger strategy and then build your strategy to match to that right build your strategy to say hey here's how i'm going to help the group achieve its the subgroup achieve its goals in the same way that the subgroup uh, says to the group how do i help the group achieve its goals and the group says to the company how do i help the company achieve its goals yeah i like that a lot um yeah that sounds great um, the last thing I have to, to add to this is it depends on the, the type of person you are and the, how you learn, um, get in front of SLT, get your senior leadership team, right. Um, and, and put yourself into those situations where you're making these pitches for strategies. Um, even if it's your first time, just don't feel, um, uh, you know, put yourself out there and learn from that. Um, it probably won't go good up front. Um, you'll make mistakes, but you'll learn from that. You'll learn, uh, and then just, you know, keep focused on improvement. Um, and, and you will improve that way. But with that, it looks like we drink, uh, finished up all of our coffee. So, um, go level up. Mm-hmm.